Hi, welcome back to another episode of Book Bestie. I sincerely apologize for not publishing an episode since August, which is crazy. I bought a house and the fall semester of grad school started. My dad was dealing with some health things, so my head and my heart haven't really been in reading. But we're back! Today I'm joined by my friend Manda Simmons. Not Amanda, Manda. Manda holds a Bachelor of Arts in English Literature and Language from the University of Mary Washington, and she is currently employed by a government contractor where she wears a number of hats, including manager and mentor. Manda is a huge fan of horror and Halloween, though she also has a soft spot for Christmas. She hates a hard apple and will force any such apple into mushy submission. Lastly, she's a Gemini, so enough said. For this episode, we will be discussing The Secret History by Donna Tart. For those of you who haven't read the book, here is a description of The Secret History. The Secret History is an inverted detective story narrated by one of the six students, Richard Papin, who reflects years later upon the situation that led to the murder of their friend Edmund Bunny Corrigan, wherein the events leading up to the murder are revealed sequentially. The novel explores the circumstances and lasting effects of Bunny's death on the academically and socially isolated group of classic students of which he was a part. I hope you enjoy the conversation, besties. Hi, Amanda. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. We're in Amanda's living room. I was just saying um, how this is the first podcast I've recorded in person with, with my guest and it's it's nerve-wracking for some reason but here we are mm-hmm. we have some chai tea i mean the halloween decorations don't make you feel comforted at all yeah yeah the, no? the horror of it all is just so <laughs> comforting <laughs> um manda uh as you guys heard in the intro big halloween fan so oh, yes. when did you put your decorations out uh, i want to say mid-july yeah I made it to mid-July before I broke and put them up, yes. It's mid-July, people. Yes. Yes. <sighs> oh, but then Christmas ones go out November 1st. Yeah, which is appropriate because totally. then it's Christmas time. Absolutely. Fight us. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you've read this book many times. How many times have you read this book? Oh, fuck. Um, I don't know what our language No, it's fine. We just have to mark it as explicit. Good. Because I swear a lot. Um, oh my god, I want to say probably twenty times, at least twenty times. I've probably read this book twenty times. In my yeah. brain, what I remembered was it was like four or five times. Twenty times is Mm-mm. is significantly more than that. Yeah. Okay, so you clearly love the book. Uh, why do you love the book? Can Let's I ask start you with one that. question before sure. I ask? How, did you like? So, my issue with this book is that I got to page 300 and I was like, when is the book going to start? Because <laughs> this is... It uh, is very long. It's a 600, roughly 600 page book. Yeah. And literally the middle of the book, it was kind of cool. I did like this. It starts on a new chapter, like the actual like 50% mark. Mm-hmm. Or at least that's what it was according to my Kindle because I did Kindle and, right. and physical copy. Um, so I was, I was quite pleased with that. The OCD in me was like, hell yeah. But aside from that, I was like, why, why do we have to read this many pages just to get to what I care about? True. So those are my feelings. The, by the end of it, the last 300 pages, I was pretty pleased with first 300. I was like, 
dear God, why does Amanda even read this one? <laughs> I was never bored, though, like ever once reading it, because I think starting out with the murder made mm -hmm. me invested the entire time. Yeah, so yeah. like every little detail I would like pour over and be like, does this have something to do with what happened? Mm -hmm. So for me, the length didn't super bother me, but I okay. can understand how it would be like, are you going to get into the moat? Like, come on. Let's yeah. start getting into the Yeah. That makes and sense. you do have like that <clears throat> detective mentality. Um, if you guys ever need to track anybody down or get their uh, arrest records. It's scary. Yeah, Amanda. <laughs> there was a, a situation last week or sometime when, when Amanda was looking up somebody on Facebook just based off of first and last name. Mm -hmm. It was like all the information you needed. It's like, all right, let me find their charges yeah. uh, in the circuit court records. Here we that go. was wild. All this is public information, by the way. Yeah, yeah. She's not breaking any laws. No. She's just really good at what she does. I'm just a creep. She all. is a Gemini, as that we should discussed. a lot. No. Um, so you don't care about the length because you love it because you have that intrigue. Yeah. I'm going to solve this thing. Yeah. What, else, what do you love about it? I specifically love I know a lot of people have issues with the narrator Richard I really really like him mm -hmm. because I feel like he is what most of us would probably be like in that situation yeah um I think a lot of it is his fatal flaw that he describes in the very beginning saying he longs for the picturesque at all costs mm -hmm. and that's what caused him most of the shit mm -hmm. and that's the whole reason he went there in the first place that's the whole reason he overlooks a lot of stuff and I think that sort of contrast between expectations versus reality is the huge theme throughout every major event in the book. Yeah. So, so do you think that his staying with the, like after he found out about the, the farmer's murder, mm -hmm. do you think his staying with the group and like staying loyal to the group had something to do with, with aspiring to that picturesque? Yeah, I think so. I think he was willing to kind of overlook a lot of things mm -hmm. to belong. I mean, well, so you have to go back to if he wasn't at Hampton, where was he going to go? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. The, yeah. the, Oh no. The contradiction between Plano and Hampton, it's totally like, even just with the weather, like it, mm -hmm. it's so clear that there's such opposite things, mm -hmm. but I, so like, it does seem though that he romanticized the group. Like when he, the, first hundred pages of the book is him falling in love with this group from afar. Mm -hmm. um, do you think that the author adequately romanticized the group? Like, do you think you would be like, oh, let me get in there? <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd be fairly intrigued by them, but I think I'd be put off by a lot of things about them. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of uh, the expectations versus the reality of it, she kind of played a lot with that within the group and then the major like events of what happened, especially uh, with Henry. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, he's this brilliant person. He can read a Syrian. He, you know, <laughs> he, he could have gone in every Ivy League school known to man, but he didn't know that like there were men on the moon in 69. Yeah. Like... So it's like <laughs> intelligence. What is real intelligence anyway? Like, yeah. you know, he could translate ancient Greek to, to no end, but the man probably couldn't change a tire if his life depended on it. Yeah. He had a very niche yeah. intelligence. Yeah. Um, and then expectations versus reality, even with the setting. I mean, sure. Vermont is beautiful. Mm -hmm. And he went there specifically even just based on that postcard at front. Yeah, but then he experienced yeah. his first Vermont winter <laughs> and realized, huh, you know what? This is not something to actually romanticize. Yeah. I could actually die well, of frostbite. <laughs> I do think um, his living situation during that winter probably didn't help uh, living somewhere that had a hole in that the ceiling. That was hilarious. And it never even occurred to him to have, like, you know, an electric heater. He's like, I didn't know such things existed. I came from California. Yeah. 
yeah that was wild that was insane to me too that like he uh he seemed to rely really heavily on the group i guess for validation but mm -hmm. he couldn't find himself relying on them for like things that actually mattered like uh warmth yeah until henry was like hey buddy you should come stay with me and he had a hard time even accepting that yeah yeah do you so when i was reading the book i had a really hard time figuring out when in time this was because it seemed like there were a lot of po pop culture mm -hmm. references that in my mind attributed it to the 90s mm -hmm. Um, but then because the group itself was so focused on Greek and like mm -hmm. ancient times, I, like it, it seemed like compared to their peers, they, they were stuck in time yeah. anyway. Yeah. Did, was that when you first read this book, uh, 20 times ago, did you, <laughs> did you have a similar experience? Um, I always kind of figured, um, it was late eighties, early nineties mm -hmm. about just based on a couple different things. And yeah. funny enough, Judy Poovey. And her car and like her makeup or frosted lipstick and he talks about like uh jane fonda workouts oh, and stuff like yeah, that yeah. so i figured it was kind of late 80s and then um it didn't really occur to me that it was kind of like timeless mm -hmm. um but i remember looking up the author afterwards and she went to um what was that college in vermont that this is based off of obviously it's hampton in the book but what the hell is the name of it bennington Bennington College in the 80s okay so I think she based her time a lot of it so I did I like I looked at the published date and two yeah and I was like so maybe it is set in the 90s but then mm -hmm. after I finished the book I was like maybe I should like actually figure out when this was set in the interwebs told me the 80s yeah but yeah I I was like this could literally be any like the only times that I had some reference in time was mm -hmm. when Richard was like, this movie just came out and Charlie Sheen was in mm -hmm. it or something. Yeah. And, like there were a couple of instances of that. Uh, but it, it, I do appreciate that about the book that you could yeah. read this whenever and it could be happening a hundred years ago. Well, probably not a hundred years ago. Cause yeah. there's, I think TV it's and stuff, but relatable timeless wise to anyone who's been to college or been in kind of like an insular community where that, phrase that really stuck out a lot was like, I think, you know, there's a time in everyone's life where certain aspects of the personality get cemented into themselves. Mm -hmm. And for him, it was the fall, the first fall he had in Vermont, mm -hmm. which I get how, you know, how that can be. Or anyone who went to college at all and was part of like a little tiny tight knit community where, where you committed murders. <laughs> basically. Yeah. Um, Pretty relatable for sure. Yeah. And another <laughs> like reality versus expectations thing. Um, the drinking that mm -hmm. at first seemed kind of like rebellious and free and oh we're just drinking all day at the country house but then you see charles's alcoholism yeah or bunny's rampant like homophobia when he gets drunk and he acts like a total asshole um, do you think that's more a condition of what they were going through though like they they clearly were drinking a lot at the beginning but they weren't um, under the stress of yeah <laughs> what happened after that yeah it yeah I, so one of the things that I did find interesting too was how Henry Henry was like the most controlled or seemingly most controlled in the group, mm -hmm. but he was the one who was the most adamant about doing the ritual. Mm -hmm. I thought it was interesting how like he was the one who wanted to lose control. And then as a result or we'll just say result, 
he had to be even more controlled than he had been before because he mm -hmm. had to make sure that he wasn't misspeaking, making sure that the rest of the group wasn't misspeaking, mm -hmm. keeping track of Bunny. Was, do you think for Henry that was worth it, losing, being able to lose control for that small smidge of time? I think he needed to lose control. Yeah. I think you see glimpses of how tightly wound he is and just what he's capable of early on. Like that story that Judy Pooby tells where he went nuts and broke Spike's collarbone and needed like six guys to pull him off. Like, Oh, he's just some nerdy guy with glasses. Like there is some, there's a psycho in there yeah. that's going to get let out eventually. <laughs> it is interesting. Cause like at the beginning of the book, we hear that he's like a pretty big guy. Like he's mm -hmm. tall, he's, he's, he's built. Um, but then like, as he's described as a person, you don't, you don't really acknowledge that until like mm -hmm. the end when like the FBI was like, this guy looks like he could be trouble. I'm just a little student. I don't know what you're <laughs> talking about. I just know Greek. I wear glasses. <laughs> I couldn't possibly hurt anybody. A man with glasses couldn't possibly have committed this murder. Definitely not. Couldn't be Superman either. Um, oh, his glasses. There was a creepy image when um, they were in the basement for the funeral. Mm -hmm. And Richard was awake and they were on those cots and he just kind of rolled over and looked and saw that Henry was wide awake, sitting in the corner with the light reflecting off of his glasses. And the oh, that yeah. was creepy as hell, man. Henry, That's another thing. Funerals. You romanticize like, oh, Greek funerals and oh, throwing yourself on the funeral pyre. And then you get the reality of it. It's like yeah. harangued adults and crappy little kids running around all over the place and take out and loud houses and Especially lots of emotions and <laughs> in that situation too because the basement was not oh. i mean like francis had allergies and he was like dying the entire time and francis. like i don't think it was heated either like yeah. there was some like weather control thing that wasn't happening it sounded really dingy like it sounded Sound like like on the surface level like ground up the mm -hmm. house is probably really elaborate and glamorous but mm -hmm. then like they all get thrown into i i wonder if that's like some sort of connection like mm -hmm. like the underworld or something like they get to suffer in the underworld they undergo oh that, the i never even considered that yeah that just yeah. popped into my brain although henry got to stay upstairs and he out of everybody would probably be the most guilty yeah that's interesting. You know how tightly controlled he is, too, because he gets those pills for his headache and then holds on to them. Yeah. And then he tries to give them the Charles later yeah. to mix with alcohol. And you're like, oh, my God, this guy is so calculating and psychotic. He's super like, calculating. He's crazy. So he kills himself at the end of the book. Do mm -hmm. you think if he hadn't killed himself, he there wouldn't be the resolution that there was? Like, do you think he needed to kill himself? Do you think that's something that he premeditated even before Charles barged into the hotel room? Mm, I think so. I think a lot of it was his disappointment, like his moral failures and Julian, how he expected Julian to kind of step up and be like the leader for the group or kind yeah. of like make his failings okay mm -hmm. or live by the whole, the whole duty, sacrifice, honor crap that they always try to yeah. instill with, you know, the ancient Greek texts that they read. And I think maybe that maybe that was his just last ditch attempt to do that. Also, one thing I thought about after I had, I didn't even occur to me until I'd read it probably four times that <laughs> the only things we know about his pastor through bunny but how About reliable yeah yeah but how okay. reliable is bunny really like that scar that he covers on his face and oh i, I think he must have been hit by a car when he was younger because he was sick in bed a lot mm -hmm. his dad's a real big wig in the midwest and his mom is like fur coats and they're rich i always thought was his dad like an organized crime or something yeah and he had the place in south america too. Yeah, yeah exactly i always thought it was like I never thought of that until, yeah, like four times into reading it. And I was thinking, like, how much do we really know about Henry? Because everything we know about it is through Bunny's drunk ass just 
I do think though that if he were an organized crime, like he probably his family probably would be on the FBI's radar because mm. like when they did go into, like when Henry bought the tickets to South America so they could all mm-hmm. escape and then that didn't happen. Um, he was able to use his dad as an excuse, like oh his dad's property down there. But if the FBI I think were actually concerned about his family being organized crime, I think mm-hmm. that would have actually gone further. Because, mm. like, they were like, oh, he actually does have property down there. We can just drop it because it's legitimate. And they legitimate. bought plane tickets with his credit card. Yeah. That also seems like something Henry wouldn't be dumb enough to slip up with. Yeah. So it also, like, it, I, I wonder about him a lot. But who is, who is your favorite character? I'm always curious when people read this book. I didn't like anybody. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> I So I, like, out of the core group, I guess I liked Richard the best just because mm-hmm. he was the least infuriating. <laughs> um, and I wanted to like Camilla because she, like, she was the only girl in the mm-hmm. group and she seemed to be holding her own for the most part. But I, it kind of irritated me that Richard was in love with her. Like, I didn't, I didn't understand it. Me either. And then Henry was in love with her. Yeah. And it's like, also, are you guys just in love with her because she's just the only girl in the group? Yeah, like, is it the <laughs> testosterone? Is also, something? everything he likes about Camilla is very boyish. It's yeah. very androgynous. The way I love her big, thick ankles and her short hair and her, like, she, she doesn't dress like a girl. It's like, Richard, do you just want to bang Charles? Because, like, you could. But it is interesting <laughs> because Francis, like, tries to come on to him and then mm-hmm. he, like, he's still And he's like, like no. no, no so no. I don't know if it, Yeah. I, I, maybe he isn't actually doesn't have homosexual tendencies, but it's just because it's Camilla who is boyish, but not boyish enough to be a oh, boy. I don't know. I don't. I don't really. I wanted to like Camilla too. I, yeah. I just don't. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's like the weird twin thing that they have. That was. Were you expecting that? Were you no. expecting that? Yeah. That that seemed unnecessary. Like I do understand Very that Greek. it made. Yeah. <laughs> like, it gave. Charles like motive to be as insane as he was towards mm-hmm. the end because he was like Henry's stolen my my lady friend who's right. also my sister who's also my sister <laughs> no big deal just yeah just my twin that I don't know that just seemed overkill like, yeah like an yeah. unnecessary plot yeah. point I always wondered about that I always thought that was just like Donna. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's one thing, like, making them kiss, but then, like, going into, yeah, they probably have had sex a few times. And Bunny was the one to, yeah, be, like, like, nobody believed him because he was Bunny. Yeah. Which is a little infuriating. Uh, My favorite is Francis. Yeah? Mm. Okay. Is it because he's the only gay boy there? No. I think just from the second you meet him, Mm -hmm. the description... And he asks Richard in, in Latin, I think, like, do you want to go to bed with me? Richard's like, sorry. And he's just like, oh, yeah, never mind. Whatever. <laughs> uh, the fact that he's got ridiculously bright red hair and a pince-nez and just sort of, <laughs> he's dramatic, yes. But he's also, like, sort of the center between everybody. He's kind of who you see everybody else through. Because a lot of times you don't get information about the other characters mm-hmm. unless Francis lets you in on what happened with that. Like, he didn't know about Charles's violent past until francis said oh i jokingly you know kissed camilla one time and charles came at me or oh right, right, charles okay. likes to drink and pretend like things happen like when we get sex he tried to pretend like that didn't happen yeah um and he was helping richard near the end try to resolve stuff and i just i love that image of him in his bathrobe with a glass of ginger ale in the lake mm-hmm. just kind of wading his way through the lake like come on guys oh, it's 
like a little scene imp. I love him. Yeah. Love that little gay boy. <laughs> He's so cute. He is adorable. I don't, I didn't realize that he was giving, I don't think that he gave us insight into everybody though. Like definitely more of Charles and like the mm-hmm. dynamic between Camilla and Charles, but I don't like, do you, I guess not we, into Henry though. I think most yeah. of the information from Henry usually comes from Bunny. I think we did Charles. find out like how close Bunny and Henry were mm-hmm. through Francis though. So I yes. guess, yeah, I hadn't realized that. He's like the Oracle. Kind of. Whoa. With the, the carrot red hair. Whoa. Oh, the poor guy at the end too. Marrying that kid. That Who does he call her? His fiance. Oh, I don't The know. Void or something. Oh yeah. Anytime because every time, time, she, <laughs> anytime she comes in the room, stops. conversation just. And it's, that part is so sad too when she like comes to visit him in the hospital and she's like being so nice to him mm-hmm. and then literally like as soon as she's there the conversation between Richard and Francis is gone like there's <laughs> nothing <sighs> Poor so guy. awkward I feel bad for I wonder if so since Francis is being forced to marry her I wonder if she's aware of that situation like mm-hmm. if she's going in knowingly that like she's the beard <laughs> or if she's like oh I was, my god yeah. this is fantastic poor girl husband. I wonder about her yeah treating him all maternal. I think she goes and she like plucks a cigarette from his hand. She's like, no, honey, we're not doing that anymore. I like, thought oh, we were boy. Smoking. Like, oh boy, this is gonna be bad. <laughs> Francis. So Henry and Camilla, Charles, Francis, they all lived off campus. And I think for the most part, like they stay pretty separate from the student body, like mm-hmm. outside of that core group. But Richard and Bunny were on campus. Yeah. And they were they were pretty well integrated. But there's a clear difference between Bunny's reactions or interactions mm-hmm. of people and Richard's interactions. Do you think that's mostly because of, like, parenting? Do you think, like, because Bunny was constantly trying to take advantage of people because his parents said, hey, take advantage of people? Like, I just mm. thought it was interesting how the, the author seemed to want to have that divide between, like, the core group. And then, like, the off-camp- or on-campus mm-hmm. group, but then also, like, a clear divide between Richard and Bunny. Mm-hmm. I don't know where I'm going with that, but that's um, something that came into my brain. I don't know that it was... Mo- I mean, I know parenting has something to do with it, too, but... I mean, then you look at Charles and Camilla had the exact same parents and the exact same upbringing, and they're drastically different, and they're twins. Yeah, that's true. So, fate. <laughs> You're right, yeah. <laughs> the Greek, I don't know, fate, I guess. Um Think about weird maternal things too, like with the uh, just made me think of Mary and Bunny's girlfriend. Mm-hmm. As you see, it's funny another expectations versus reality thing. You see <clears throat> the total opposite of Camilla, like a really really matronly, like very feminine, like oh she's gonna be a kindergarten teacher, but that also means that you know she teeters onto like old lady dresses and right. sort of like overbearing and treats Bunny like a kid and stuff like that. Yeah, I don't know where I was going with that either, but <laughs> something just occurred to me. Tangents. Another expectation for the whole beauty is terror thing. They, when they're talking about like Clemenstra killing Agamemnon in the bath, and like, oh, the blood, violence, yeah. But then like Camilla gets a shard of glass in her foot, and they all almost pass out. Yeah, like, oh god, it's like, well, the stark contrast oh, of what yeah, things yeah. are versus what you expect them to be, because you have these nice little fanciful Socratic seminar Greek history classes with Julian. Mm. It I is. think they were so sheltered. It was ridiculous. Like, so isolated from the rest of the campus. And, I mean, at first he had concerns with that. But I think mm-hmm. the romance of it won him over. Just that first class of, oh, there's flowers and there's tea. And Fresh this is flowers, lovely. Yeah. And we're all talking about, like, things bigger than ourselves. And eventually, like, right away, I mean, any any kind of person who's 
been to school or anything is just like, oh God, that's not going to turn out well. Yeah. This this is not good. What did you think of Julian? I didn't understand why everybody was so obsessed with him. Yeah. Um, Well, I guess like the core group was obsessed with him and then everybody Mm -hmm. else was like resentful, I guess, of him. Mm -hmm. I think it's how he the very first like meeting yeah with Richard where he was just like, you know, he just asked me so many questions about myself and seemed so interested. And I figured like, he just only wanted me to talk because he just loved my attention so much. It was just like, I think he was very, very masterful at like being able to just make you feel special. And he did say that towards yeah. the end of the book. Like I, I realized that Julian wasn't actually as empathetic as I thought. He was Not just at all. like fronting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I didn't understand why they were obsessed with him, but he yeah. did seem like a really fascinating person to have learned mm-hmm. from, but not solely, like, no. not have him be your only professor. No. That situation was also, like, insane, like, the fact Anxiety that they were... inducing Yeah. Yeah. And his French, like, his academic advisor, the French professor, mm-hmm. when he first got there, was like, this is a bad idea, because then you were totally closed off mm-hmm. from everywhere else, and if you have issues, mm-hmm. we but can't he, he help didn't you. like... LaForge, so he was just like, whatever, he don't know what he's talking about. Yeah. <laughs> These did... people are great. I'm gonna keep going. Yeah. Like, um it's like, oh my god, they wear all black clothes and they look so cool on campus together. I gotta get part of that. That like, literally no. was like his only thing. He was like, I need Saw to them take like Greek. once. It was just yeah. like, I gotta do that. That guy has an umbrella all the time. <laughs> gotta be that guy's friend. He hates hippies. Oh, this is great. This like, is <laughs> what I need in my life. Oof. Were you a Julian fan? No. I I just thought it was also super frustrating how Julian was like really drilling into them these these principles or like whatever, and then, and then like, just left them all to deal. With just mm, no, yeah, like he mm-hmm. he was romanticizing the whole ritual, and then when mm-hmm. he found out, well, I guess he didn't. He found out that they killed Bunny, but mm-hmm. I assume at that point he was able to connect the dots. But yeah, so he realized that they did this ritual. They killed a man, which isn't good but he was just like that's it for me mm-hmm. like you Jesus. did what i taught you to do but now i gotta go because <laughs> there was even like at the beginning when they had the first class they were talking about like how they could mm-hmm. close off over- the town yeah yep. and take and he over loved the it he loved that shit he was like oh my god so thrilling yeah he was so proud of yeah. them and then when they actually executed something that he taught them he was like who this was a mistake. He just pulled a Dumbledore. I was like, deuces, I'm going to need to deal with this by yourselves. Like, You're actually going to die now. <laughs> wow. He is Dumbledore, he isn't is. he? He just leaves kids to deal with it. He's just like, well, I'm going to, you know, cover you in my wisdom and just, oh, I'm going to build you up and make you feel all safe and wow. secure and lonely and uh, not lonely, cozy and great. And then when shit really hits the fan, deuces, you're going to deal with that yourselves. That's wild. Mm-hmm. That's so like, we were yeah. just reading Harry Potter. If I had known that from the beginning, I would have been so much happier. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got like, you know, um, crap, even like similarities with their offices, mm-hmm. like all little trinkets everywhere. Yeah. It's, it's not like any other office. It's not an academic place. It's a place of like warmth and comfort. And oh, look at all these little oddities so around. And, oh, look at these little tea. I can make tea in the court. Like just, yeah. I didn't, I didn't like Julian whatsoever. And then his reaction to after he found out about um, when he got that stationery, mm-hmm. you know, with Bunny's letter with the hotel Excelsior stationery on the back. Yeah. And he realizes it. And your breath just catches and you're like, what is he going to do? Right. Just like a moral, what's going to happen? And then he just gives the friggin' letter back and then he just disappears. Yeah, it was the most cowardly thing. It's like, thing. are you serious? Like, it was wild. 
Jesus. And it was also interesting how he was so willing to, I guess, turn a blind eye. Like he, I'm sure at some point it was obvious to him that they probably killed the farmer because Mm -hmm. of all the stuff that Bunny was saying. And it was obvious that they had done something to Bunny. I'm Mm -hmm. sure he had to have seen that because he was very close to these people. And he knew they were trying to do the ritual because Richard overheard that. And he was just like, whatever you need to do. Yeah. Like, Oh, but then he got the letter and he was like, this, this has to be some sort of prank. It couldn't possibly be Bunny. Mm -hmm. So like somebody who claims to know, know these students super, super well, isn't able to notice the students cry for help. Those Mm -hmm. much too late at that point. But yeah, yeah, that was wild until he saw this, the stationery when it got turned over, he was, he was very willing to believe that it wasn't real. Something tells me he doesn't go to like faculty trainings on recognizing warning signs and students and shit like that. I'm sure they didn't have that in the eighties, but. Oh my God, you're probably right. (laughs) (laughs) Probably didn't even have that. Everybody's fine. Just do more drugs. (laughs) Just drink about it. It's fine. Drink about it. Um, so this is a question that I stole from one of, I think from like the link I sent you, but during Bunny's funeral, there's a point where Henry takes a handful of dirt and he throws it on the casket mm-hmm. and then he wipes. Do you think there's any symbolism behind that? Or you think I it still just... don't know what the fuck that's about. I've read that book 20 times and yeah. every time I have a different idea about it and I'm just, yeah, I have no idea. Do you have any theories? <laughs> I, feel I, don't like, know. I feel like it could be like a symbol of, of like the... Like he murdered two people potentially. Like so he has these black Yeah, he has this black mark on his soul. <laughs> but you would think that that would be a thing that would appear earlier in the book, unless maybe he mm-hmm. didn't start feeling guilty also, you about think he, it. Yeah, I didn't really think he ever felt guilty about it. I yeah. think he felt guilty that the consequences might come from it, so he wanted to tamp that down. He didn't feel guilt about like poisoning his neighbor's dogs just by figuring out the right dosage with the friggin' mushrooms. I don't think he feels yeah. guilty about anything ever. Yeah. Did you think it was surprising that Bunny reacted to the farmer's murder more extremely than the people who actually participated in the murder? Mm, I feel like part of that, just because I dislike Bunny so much, was like his childish, I was left out, now I'm going to make you regret it. And that's yeah. not like the whole motivation for it, but I, that was probably part of it. Yeah. I'm going to poke and poke and poke and poke because I was left out of this. Yeah, I do wonder though. Like, is it is it jealousy or is it like, holy, geez, these guys are bad people. Although I guess he he did. doesn't even seem like he thinks they're bad people. That's true. Yeah, he does just try to blackmail them through all of it. He doesn't actually want anything mm-hmm. to get better. No, I thought that was crazy. How much money Henry spent on him in Italy? Oh, like keeping that quiet whole, and happy. Yeah. That was ridiculous. When Bunny got murdered i was honestly so relieved right it was just like oh yay can we just be done with this now (laughs) that i felt like that dragged on like a lot Mm -hmm. so as those characters i can't even imagine like how frustrated and like done with bunny they were because as a Mm -hmm. reader i was like this it's time we should total dick we should have done this in isn't it funny that you hate bunny more than the murderers yeah funny or concerning <laughs> concerning <laughs> i guess <laughs> you find yourself starting to sympathize with that but it's like geez they, they only killed a guy yeah but then with bunny it's like oh my god just die already <laughs> yeah because he just like doesn't all right everyone uh so apparently i stopped recording by accident <laughs> after 30 minutes um Amanda and i had some conversation unrecorded 
uh, without realizing it. You know what? The microphone was just so blown away by our acumen at dissecting this. It was like, I, my mind is blown. I can't even deal with it. So I just decided to stop working. That's what we're going to go with. My sentient microphone said that's enough for right now. Yep. <laughs> like I can't even process how amazing these are. <laughs> <laughs> we should stop recording. We should definitely stop recording. It's too much for everyone. Um, so the last thing, Amanda just reminded me, the last thing that we were talking about was I asked if Camilla... Oh God, was leading, uh, leading Richard on, um, because I mean, Francis did acknowledge, he's like, oh yeah, she has led you on. I've watched her do it. Um, and then we were talking about how, whether she hasn't done that with bunny, but we both think that it's cause they're both disgusted with each other as they basically admit yeah. when bunny confronts or jokes, you know, about her banging Charles and she says, oh, don't think cause I'm sleeping with my own, that I'm not sleeping with my brother that I won't, that I, what the fuck did she say? Um, you mustn't think, think just because I'm not sleeping with you that I'm sleeping with my brother. Right. And he was like, well, I wouldn't sleep for you. We'll sleep with you, honey, not for all the tea in China. Yeah. But and you I, don't drink tea. I was asking too, if, uh, if Amanda thought that Camilla, because Camilla was so manipulative. Yeah. If she was, if she was somehow pulling Henry's strings, she's going to try to jump on your lap. There's a kitty now. She's her name is Nix. She's a big old She's a big old baby. Yeah, if you don't look at her, she'll jump up. She's so soft. She's like, don't watch me. <laughs> well, it is <laughs> embarrassing sometimes when she does things because of how round and ball shaped she is. She is thick and beautiful. She oh, is wow. thick and beautiful. She's thick. How fitting. Because so Nyx is the goddess of the night in is it Greek, I think? Uh I think it is. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> this is my butthole, mom. <laughs> Such a baby. <sighs> okay. Back oh, country. Roman. Sorry, not Greek. I wish you'd right. figure it out. Yes. Wow. Nyx is the goddess of the night, one of the primordial gods who emerged as the dawn of creation. Roman. Not Greek, but Roman. Ah. I love cats, everyone. I only love this one. Yeah. <laughs> So I don't know if this is something that we've already covered in the recorded portion of <laughs> the episode, um, but there do seem to be a lot of parallels between the Greek tragedies and the book. Mm -hmm. um, do you think that's the intention is for more of an immersive experience, like to make us feel like we're part of that core group? Like they're, they're clearly experiencing the things that mm -hmm. we're experiencing as the reader. So do you think she was modeling after Greek tragedies for that purpose? Um, if she was, I think it takes a certain kind of person to recognize that, though, because mm -hmm. if you don't have an understanding of the Greek tragedies, you might not know. She mentions a couple Greek tragedies in here. Um, let's see, Clement's Dragon, Helena Troy. Um, what else does she talk about? She mentions not Sophocles, but they talk about... Of course, not my mind's blanking, but um, you've read this twenty times. You I know even I have should to know every single one it. of them. Yeah. <laughs> I should know every single one of them. Carthage Ward to attack. Um, <clears throat> I don't necessarily think so. Um, I think there is a fatal flaw, though, mm -hmm. like with everybody, like the Greek fatal flaw. Yeah, I mean um, that's like the first page of the book. Is yeah, everybody has a fatal flaw. Yeah, yeah. This is the longing for the picturesque at all costs. Yeah. Which is, I think, why he overlooks so much and romanticizes so much of the group. And it's like, really, there is not much to romanticize about this group. Yeah. Once you, yeah. it is interesting. Like, once he got, 
guts. Wow. Once he gets into the guts of the group and he mm-hmm. truly like understands who they are as people, mm-hmm. he he doesn't get out. Like mm-hmm. he even after guys, she's cuddling on my lap. Um, even after Henry admits to murdering someone, although apparently he was suspecting it the whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, or at least he. So there was a point where he like. Uh, well, he tells Henry, like, yeah, I, I knew it the whole time. But then there's later in the book where he was like, I don't know that I actually did know it the whole Henry time. Henry basically led him to that answer and then yeah. praised his ego, which was like, oh, good for you. You figured it out. I always thought you would. It's like, no, but he kind of led him to that answer. Yeah. yeah. Do you think, though, that he uh, he stayed because Henry was like, you were so clever? Like, what do you think is his purpose or what his reasoning for staying in the group even after finding out that they murdered someone? I feel like, ah, God, poor Richard. <laughs> I feel like by that point, he's Henry has basically already made him complicit. Mm-hmm. So I think there's... By telling a, him? Basically, yeah. yeah. He's already pulled him in on this. I mean, they made basically every effort to not have him be aware of any all of this. I think maybe he pulled him in to manipulate even more to try to have one more person to kind of pass it off on. Yeah. Um, and it did seem to help them in the long run because mm-hmm. he was able to report back when Bunny was like exactly. starting to fall apart. Exactly. But it's it's interesting the difference though between Bunny finding out and Richard mm-hmm. finding out because Richard was like, "How do we morally fix this? frozen?" Pretty much just. Uh... I don't know. That he, I think he. <laughs> it seemed like he was very willing from that point on to, to help. Yeah, to help. Whereas mm-hmm. Bunny's like, one, how can I use this? in my favor but also like i it does seem i think we talked about this earlier it does seem like he was probably i'm gonna gently unlock my screen oh god oh god things are happening everyone (laughs) technology is my friend there we go no big deal i don't know what's happening oh so we were talking about earlier how Bunny was just using the knowledge to get what he wanted, but there also did seem to be like a clear deterioration. Like he, well, I guess to me it was clear. Like he, he needed more and more from them, Mm -hmm. but he also like when he was going out and partying, he was getting like way drunker Mm -hmm. and he got to the point where he ended up telling Richard like, Hey, Mm -hmm. you'll never believe what happened. Even though Richard already Total liability. So I do think that there was some, like he, he clearly took advantage because mm-hmm. that's how he was raised to to be. But it also seemed like he was a lot more broken by what his friends did, and maybe mm-hmm. that was because of the jealousy thing. But Richard seems totally unfazed by it. He was like, "Let me help these people that I've known for mm-hmm. two months get away with murder." Yeah, that I. I don't know what my point was in ranting about all of this. Richard's <laughs> uh, Richard's motivation for basically keeping oh, quiet and helping yeah. them. A Thank you for bringing for- it back. <laughs> <laughs> longing for the picturesque at all costs. Here's really- my little insular core group of people. I gotta belong. But then so you, you feel think- bad for him too, because it's just like, what do you do in that situation? Yeah. I mean, I think if and he went to the cops, he would have been totally fine. But instead, he then was- your whole little Greek world chatters. Yeah, yeah. Your whole little group is all. So literally just to maintain the picturesque. Not solely, but I think that's probably a big, big part of it. Or I think he he tries to really defend what they do a lot, too. Mm-hmm. Or well, Like, oh, this makes sense because of this thing. Yeah. Especially how Henry explains it away. It's just like, oh, we killed him on his own property. This is Vermont. No one's going to believe us if we show up at a 
friggin' police station, drugged out of our minds, wearing sheets that are all bloody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do think it was funny, too, how when he found out that they murdered somebody, it was like, oh, you should tell people. And mm-hmm. then it was like, oh, no, we murdered him on his property. It was, it was like, like, oh, no. Wait okay. a second. Well, shit. You're, you're totally <laughs> Hold on, guys. And then Henry rationalized that away, too. So it was just an egg farmer. It's not like the guy was going to win a Nobel Prize or something. You're like, yeah. oh, yikes. Egg farmer, not a cow farmer. <laughs> it was a cow. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was crazy about um, what actually happened to them during that ritual, though. Mm-hmm. But Camilla didn't talk for a couple days. But yeah. like her elementary like, French mm-hmm. came back before her English came back. Yeah. And her hair was, like, soaked in blood. So you start to, like, get all these pictures. Like, what did you do to that guy? But we'll never know because yeah. they don't know. What happened? I heard that um, a couple people have attempted to buy the rights and make this a movie. And I'm really glad no one has yet. Yeah. Because um, then they would try to do something with that ritual mm-hmm. and then it would be screwed. Yeah. So much of it is, like, left up to, oh, did this really happen? I like the fact that because you're getting a, not a neutral narrator, but an outsider narrator for mm-hmm. most of the time, yeah. it basically mirrors what you would also think about it if you came into that group mm-hmm. and got told all these things about these people and then sort of slowly got glimpses into their lives. And they he sees what they allow him to see, pretty much. Yeah. Um, so I like the fact that there's an outside narrator. I think if it took... Um, I think if the perspective was like Henry, I don't think it would be as like powerful of a as a of a novel. So, so Richard is definitely an outsider, but it seems like within the group there there are people who randomly get selected to be the outsiders. Little factions, Little factions. yeah, like yeah. like two people will be mm-hmm. involved in something, and like maybe one person gets to find out about it, mm-hmm. but then like that's it. Like that, I thought. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the purpose of that is to like make everybody like dependent on each other because we don't know like what the actual truth is? I think is. maybe just to show the dynamic of the group mm-hmm. so it's not just solely focused on what Richard can find out. Yeah. It's what he hears from this person and what that person hears from this. It, it kind of weaves a real little intricate web of that group because they, I mean, you look at looking at them from the outside, you think it's such a tight nip there's a lot of fissures in that group mm-hmm. a lot of like mistrust a lot of jealousies and a lot of like weird issues with each other yeah so i think from the outside it looks like they're a great little core group of ancient greek classic students mm-hmm. oh my god so romanticized and then you peek beneath and it's like god these people are really fucked up yeah and, and like honestly what is so redeeming about them that he finds so romantic it's like none of you fuckers work none of you <laughs> You got to come from like the most ridiculous, like privileged backgrounds. Like Richard's right. They don't have to worry about paying for their tuition. Mm -hmm. They never had to once worry about where am I staying this winter? So I don't freeze to death. He had to not had to lie about what he was doing, but I think he felt so insecure about his background. He lied about being from Hollywood and his dad was in oil. It's like your dad ran a gas station, Mm -hmm. which is fine, but he doesn't feel like he can match up to all these pictures he has of them built up in his head. Yeah, definitely. And, like, um, even when the, the dean of students or the dean of whatever came in and was like, well, you guys don't have a professor anymore, so mm-hmm. you're going to have to stay another semester to He's like, to I graduate. can't afford that. I'm going to fucking die. And, and all, everybody they're just, just like, nah. Yeah, nobody graduated except him because mm-hmm. they were like, well, if it's not ancient Greek, it's not for me. <laughs> like, I'll just drop out. It's fine. I don't need a degree. I'm basically just doing this for funsies. Yeah. It's like, are you serious right now? <laughs> and there was a point, too. I think it was Francis was like, I don't understand why why Bunny doesn't just get a job if he needs mm-hmm. stuff. But then he, like, when he started giving his money, he and Henry started giving money to Bunny, they mm-hmm. were like, he's going to bleed me dry. I don't know what I'm going to do about this money situation. 
maybe get a job. I don't know. <laughs> it's also, you know what you're going to do about this money situation. You're going to get more money yeah. from your trust fund and your parents. Well, talk to your they were mom. kind of bleeding those resources dry. Yeah. But <laughs> I did enjoy um, when he tried to make the withdrawal from the account. Oh, yeah. Like to go to South America to like use cash to go to South America. Mm-hmm. His mom was like, it's got to be drugs. Yep. This kid. Oh, it's way worse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's a drug addict for sure. No, mom, he's a murderer. Oh, now he's trying to flee the country. I always thought him fleeing the country seemed very, like, out of character for how tightly controlled he is. Henry? Yeah. Yeah. I always thought that was a little strange. It's like, was that really a momentary lapse in judgment? Or how was that planned? I've, I still don't know sometimes. Henry is the most confusing, confusing character. Yeah. But in the coolest and creepiest way yeah he's he's friggin' terrifying but it's also like oh my god what is going on in your brain it would yeah it would be interesting to know i wonder though if he like bought the plane tickets to south america just to have that note on his kitchen counter for when mm-hmm. um richard came in like his, i wonder if it was book, literally you know. just that like it, he wasn't they weren't actually planning to go to south america it was mm-hmm. literally just like henry convinced everybody we're gonna go but it was actually so richard could could be tied into mm-hmm. huh because yeah that does seem out of he character doesn't seem like he, he would just run mistakes. away yeah. he's so methodical about everything Any, yeah. anytime he made even the tiniest slip i always felt like it was deliberate yeah and and richard speculated about that towards the end he was mm-hmm. like i think he put that there for me to figure out yeah yeah so i did also think it was strange how during the the ritual the back and all situation there they all were like we saw was it Dionysus? They saw mm-hmm. it was. Yep. So they like we saw a god. We experienced mm-hmm. this was totally real. And it never gets acknowledged. Yeah. yeah. It's literally it's, <laughs> it's like twenty just... pages of this happened. Mm-hmm. And like part of me maybe like Henry's like I saw God and this is what God told me to do and like that's why oh. he has all of these plans. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but it's strange how it was like such a huge thing. Like no, Richard, mm-hmm. I saw him. He's he like, you saw him there. in corporal form. And he's just like, if you'd never seen the ocean and you'd only seen a, a kid's drawing of the ocean, would you be able to recognize it if you saw it in person? And he's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> he's like, so I saw God then, Richard, shut up. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. And that was it. <laughs> that was it. Never got acknowledged again. That no was one so ever. T- yeah, no one ever talked about that part of that ritual. Mm-hmm. Seems like after that ritual happened and after the murder happened, they just kind of went, okay. We saw now God let's just deal with the aftermath. We saw God. NBD. Yeah. Again, expectations versus reality. It does keep coming back to that. Always very interesting. It's great. I love it though. That's there's so many little moments like, in that book about that. Do you think that's your main thing about why you love it? Just like I think the so. Expectations versus reality. Yeah. And I think maybe just because I'm so enamored with Vermont. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like and cold like, weather. Yeah. And just like dark academia. This, this, this book Straight is up, usually this like. this is you. Yeah. This oh. book usually is the shining fucking pinnacle that everyone points to as like the dark academia guidepost. It's like, oh, you like the dark academia books? Start with this one. See if you like it. Wild. I'm sorry that. I'm sorry that I said I didn't like the first 300 pages because now that I realize that this book <laughs> is you, I just want you to know I love every part of you, <laughs> even your first 300 pages. The first 300 pages. See, I was, I've never been bored by this book ever. Like, it wasn't that I was bored. It was just 
in my mind, I was like, why mm-hmm. is this necessary? Because there is, there is, you're right, there is a lot of detail about, like, even days, when, when days go by with Richard's POV and nothing really happens, mm-hmm. to drive the story He's forward. He's just doing drugs with Judy, yeah. or, like, going to the movies. In the friggin' Burger King parking lot with Freebird plays, or yeah. he's, you know, going to parties, and anytime he, you know, it's funny, anytime he tries to dins- distance himself from the group, mm-hmm. bad shit happens to him. Like, What's an example? <laughs> going to that party and sleeping with that girl Mona and then getting his nose broken. Yeah. Like, well, not, I don't know if he broke his nose, but he definitely got punched in the face. He got bloodied. Um, <laughs> going and doing uh, coke in the parking lot with Judy Pooby and then being like, that was a stupid idea. And then he's like late to Greek class for like three days in a row. He's like, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime he tries to like break out from this little shell that he's put himself in, it's like it doesn't really end well, but then it doesn't end well with him there either. And it's, yeah. And I think another thing, the whole expectations versus reality, not just the Greek group, but all the students in the school, I think he thought he was going to encounter like the most bright minded, like coolest group of people ever in the college. Oh, it's elite. It's Hampton. We only, we only admit the elite here. And it's, Mm -hmm. I mean, you see Spike and Judy and just all the, all the fuck ups on the quad and the hippies that he can't stand and those two guys (laughs) who are like the kings of the party who make them pay for a beer even if they're not gonna go yeah and he kind of kind of keys into it at one point i mean he realizes that he's very isolated but in the um cafeteria when he's kind of looking around at all the other groups and he's just kind of like i don't know who these people are i don't know who any of these people are and this is such a it's such a tiny college yeah but he's still so closed off from everybody and if he wasn't maybe he could have called somebody for help yeah during that winter where he was too proud to admit that he needed help that still is mind-blowing just Mm -hmm. like the fact and he was still working for uh the do- I can't remember that professor's name that he George oh Dr. Roland oh Dr. Roland yeah 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 who didn't oh yeah that was <laughs> you know for someone who's a psychology professor he really didn't recognize any of the signs of a mental breakdown <laughs> <laughs> but like the fact that like, he was walking to campus oh, through the snow God. to work and then going back home to live in like that mm-hmm. was insane too. and he thought that oh he woke up sore and thought it was because he was sleeping on the floor so it was his muscles contracting from shivering so hard every single night and he thought oh he's getting to work early and getting work done because he has such a like a renewed work ethic it's like no it's so he can shower in the hot water right and eat something yeah and drink some coffee yeah (laughs) and warm himself up and try not to die (laughs) again oh vermont so picturesque a gorgeous winter oh my god the solitude and i think that's what uh, julian says it's like oh great a winter by yourself that'll be so great for studying or whatever the fuck you want to do it's like that's exactly what i plan on doing julian it, he just seems so like ignorant for somebody who's supposed mm-hmm. to be really smart and like really well traveled because even like when when richard got punched by that lady's <laughs> boyfriend um are you in I, love with her yeah, yeah, He's Julian. Like, was I don't like, know her that well, man. Yeah, Julian was like, "This is fantastic. I've never seen anybody who's been hit in the face before, or something like that." He's like, "Oh, how thrilling! Are you in love with her?" And he's just like, "I'm afraid I don't know her that well." He's like, "Ma, you are being honest today." <laughs> but then when he is confronted by like the most honesty and mm-hmm. like the the most he awkward turtles it away yeah, he just fucks off like dumbledore just, and just leaves everybody to see too much for me i hate this honesty thing did oh, you shit. think that there was any meaning or purpose or anything behind the fact that um richard seemed to be the only one who went to the movies 
What do you mean? Like uh, he went to the movies like regularly, but the rest of them were like, I can't be bothered to go to the movies. They did try to use the movies as an excuse. As an alibi yeah. at one point. Yeah. But like, I don't what think... movie did you see? Oh, something about a bachelor party or some such nonsense. Yeah. It's like, I think you saw a bachelor party with Tom Hanks. <laughs> Is that what it was? I think that might've been what it was. If I just looked up these movies as they were mentioned, I feel like I wouldn't have had all these issues with Because it was like, the oh, the placement. war movie with Charlie Sheen. You mean Platoon from 86? Like, I'm pretty sure that's what In he was talking brain, about. In my brain, I was like, yeah. Megan, don't forget to look this up later <laughs> so we know where we are. I, I assume late like 80s also with uh, the phone calls, the phone booths and things like that they, too. But like that was a 90s thing too. Yeah. And also like. But also they, Cordless came into, what was it like 94, 96, kind of mid 90s. Like they had Cordless phones then too. Guys, I just want you to know that when you're hearing silences, it's because I'm trying to unlock Lightly my screen, unlock screen without stopping recording yes. <laughs> That's a dangerous job, this podcasting. Don't know how people do it. I'm trying to think also, of other. Um, the kitty is still in my lap. She's so cute. Everyone was wondering. She's so cute. I so you don't think that there was any significance in the fact that he was the only one to go to movies, or um, maybe others did go to the movies, and I just don't remember it because it just seemed like Richard was going to the movies any chance he had money or time mm, when he wasn't covering up murders. not super significant um i think maybe that's just a result of what they like personalities what they like because i think we would rather read than do anything anyway right. but like i said their their lexicon for like current pop culture mm-hmm. is so tiny that i don't think they would enjoy any sort of movies anyway right. like how richard again didn't or richard not henry didn't even know that man landed on the moon and he was like what you're, you're crazy that's absurd it's like okay you could probably recite every like greek god and all of its deities and all of its formations and every area of ancient greece but and you don't know that greek. like we landed on the moon in 69 like really yeah <laughs> his frame of reference for anything it's so crazy it is it's so crazy like i can't imagine talking to someone who's that brilliant but also doesn't know well i mean shit we talk to people at work all the time like that yeah super we, smart engineers we work with engineers uh during our real-time jobs. Who are brilliant, but then can't spell most words. <laughs> yeah, just trying to decipher what they're trying to say at any given time. Mm-hmm. That's why I feel like Henry was not relatable at all. Yeah. Um, I didn't think that anybody really was relatable except for Richard. I think that's probably intentional. Yeah. It was funny, though. Maybe this isn't funny. I don't know. <laughs> An observation <laughs> that I made. <laughs> um, so after Bunny died, everybody was like, Oh, yeah, he was, like, a really cool guy. And, like, most of the student body didn't mm-hmm. actually know him on a personal level, but mm-hmm. they were all touched by him in some way. Oh, yeah. Um, fucking virtue signaling. <laughs> do you – so do you think it's – because there, there was one moment after the funeral where people were, like, genuinely, like, I didn't know him, mm-hmm. but he – like, he had an effect on the room. Like, he – did I make that up? No, you didn't make that up. I made that face just because I feel like people just tend to do that anyway. Yeah. They try to make things about themselves. Yeah, yeah. That they're not. Fair. I mean, how many times does some like a celebrity die and they're like, oh my God, I am so heartbroken. It's like you knew them personally. No, I didn't, but I'm heartbroken. It's like, all right. Well. I watched their movie for the first time when I was three and we were best friends. Like, oh, Bunny would have wanted this. Bunny yeah. would have wanted us to have like a hippie-tastic festival. It was like, uh, Bunny threw shoes at you on the quad because he hated your music um, so i don't think he would have wanted that guy but you were talking about how like richard 
ultimately did like isolate himself. Mm -hmm. But it seemed like Bunny was very willing to be a part of everything. And I guess in my brain, I was like, maybe is Bunny actually a better person than we're giving him credit for? Because like, maybe he did have a positive effect on people. Clearly not Henry or Francis who were paying for all of this shit. <laughs> he wanted to murder him and did. <laughs> um, but I, I, I guess I had like some kind of hope that maybe Bunny wasn't like all the way awful because there, there doesn't seem to be mm-hmm. any redeeming quality about Bunny. Except maybe his girlfriend's kind of cool, I guess. And that she's normal. <laughs> and that she's normal. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think about just how, she, like, the very, very first time that Richard even hangs out with Bunny, it's when they go to that restaurant and he is just a fucking pig. Oh, yeah. He's like, like come to lunch with me. Yeah. Oh, I forgot my wallet. Yeah. And right away just starts like making fun of his clothes and stuff too. It's just like, oh, you know, this made of made this may have done, you know, back in California, but this is New England. You want like right. dark ones and wools and stuff. Yeah, when he got when he um Judy's like silk Brooks Brothers like top that she was gonna make into a bustier. Yeah. It's like you want this? You first he was like, Oh for fuck's sake, but but he was like really ha- he was like, Oh, I really this looks really nice on me. Mm-hmm. I love this. And, and then walks outside funny. feeling good, but he's like, <laughs> You stupid loser. Yeah. And then, oh, yeah, my treat. And then didn't even realize that he was being, like, super hardly taken advantage of. And then he starts making all these ridiculously homophobic comments and just slurping down any drink that gets in front. Like, just the first instance you get of any kind of thing with Bunny, besides the first the murder on the first couple pages where you don't see any of his personality, obviously. But the mm-hmm. first time Richard hangs out with him solo, you just get immediately disgusted by him. Yeah. And then you realize the how he took advantage of assuming that Richard would be able to pay for shit too. Yeah. It just left a horrible taste in my mouth. And I was like, well, let's see how the rest of this plays out. Cause I mean, that's not cause to get murdered. So let's yeah. see. But then do you <laughs> the story if, goes on. Do you think if like, we oh. didn't find out that bunny was murdered at the beginning, we, we would have rooted for him more. Like, do you think like, as you were reading it, you were like, I know he's going to be murdered. So mm-hmm. don't, find anything to like about him because he's no i think i took it the opposite way i was like i'm gonna try to find things to like about him because he got murdered so i want to see like how this happened yeah and the motivations and stuff behind it and then the more you read the book the more you're just like i hate to sympathize with the murderers but buddy you a dick (laughs) he's fucking sucks everybody fucking sucks but like yeah definitely bunny more than others oh yeah just honestly, like after the Italy trip, like hearing all the things that happened in Italy, I was like, God, just murder him sooner. Just I, talented Mr. Ripley his ass in Italy, honestly. <laughs> that would have been the way to do it. That would have been great. It's just, oh, he fell in a drunk in a fountain and drowned or something. I don't know. Yeah. It was an accident. Or well, I guess the hiking was an accident. Kind of. And as much as pushing somebody off of a cliff intentionally can be an accident. Yeah premeditated pushing off of the cliff. I think it's funny how they thought he was going to get found really fast and then and it then turned into a coaches. statewide manhunt and they're like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> we didn't want this scrutiny. I did like the imagery of, so uh, Richard came to Hamden because of that picture you saw of the commons, mm-hmm. or the common. Mm-hmm. Was it common or commons? It's it commons. But okay. Either way. Um, 
it was like so picturesque and it was beautiful and then by the end of it after the manhunt because like of all the snow melting it uh-huh. was super muddy and he was like this does not look like what i remember it's it expectations like versus it's... reality here we go here we're we back, go again. back <laughs> everything the funeral the relationships the scenery the winters the everything yeah i feel like comes back to that longing for the picturesque at all costs expectations versus reality yeah like it's the prominent theme through the whole thing it's what made me like that so much it's what's what makes me like it so much because i feel like everybody can relate on some level to that shit so reality just slaps you in the face and you're like well shit this is nothing like i thought yeah either like work relationships anything (laughs) do you think it was appropriate that Richard ended up moving back to California at the end. I never thought he would do that. Yeah. I never thought he would. Well, he moved back there because of a girl. And then was like, ah, shit, I'm back in California because of this chick now. So, And then they broke up. Yeah. But But then he stayed there. Yeah, it was was funny. He was like, I wouldn't be here if it weren't for Sophie or whatever. Yeah, but then he stayed there, dummy. (laughs) You can move. You're not a tree. (laughs) He was willing to move. He was like, Camilla, marry me. I'll move back to Virginia and mm-hmm. I'll I'll be with you but that was like his only way he was going to move back when he talked so much shit about living in California mm-hmm. I'd, I'd rather I'd still rather live in Murderville Vermont than live in Plano California well you also would prefer to live anywhere cold than yes hot so that yes that definitely tracks yes yeah, <laughs> I've never experienced the cold that Richard experienced though. I would I hope never have. most people haven't yeah. or anybody because yeah that was miserable <laughs> oh just a good spot for the kitty she got a spot on nix's head and she made her twitch both of her paws at the same time twice she said oh that is so good <laughs> you wow. kitty that was talented i sure. if donna tart ever listens to this first off <laughs> i adore likely. you so fucking much second off please write another book i'm gonna lose my fucking mind it's been over 10 years girl come on come on she writes one book every 10 years and it kills me have you read all of the books yeah are they similar? Uh, not re- actually. Francis and this one makes an appearance. Well, guys, uh, I have a witness. I didn't press stop recording by accident, but True. it still stopped recording. Um, Amanda is continuing her obsession with Donna Tart. I don't know yes. if that's on the last part of the recording. Um, <laughs> I'll start over in case it's not. Yeah, get after it. So, if Donna Tart, oh my God, if you ever come across this podcast, if you ever hear it, Donna. Please write another book. I adore you so much. Please, please, please. You only write a book once every 10 years. I know it's a Herculean effort and a big undertaking to write a novel like this. Please write another one or I'm going to lose my fucking mind. (laughs) Amanda also told me that Donna Tartt lives in Charlottesville, which is about um, an hour and change from where Mm -hmm. we are right now. Um, so we might be coming to find you, Donna. I'm a pretty good stalker. (laughs) And now it's a threat and it's recorded. (laughs) That's bad. No, I love you. I love you so much. In a good way. In a totally consensual. So someone who went to Bennington, you know, liberal arts college and a novelist. She was very young when she wrote this. Um, shit. Mid twenties, early twenties. You could Something say like that. any number. Um, who's, the, who's the friggin' guy who wrote uh, Fight Club? Uh, Brad Pitt. <laughs> Chuck something. <laughs> Chuck oh, she, Norris? No. She was friends with the... Uh, the hell is his name? I, I'm probably butchering the shit out of his name. What if I just Google it? 
is it Fight Club? Yeah, it's Fight Club. Either way, she was friends with this little elite group of writers at Bennington. And obviously she's uh, excelled <laughs> way past what they wrote. Um, Chuck Pal- Palachu, Palachu, Pal- Palachu, Palachuk. So what, yeah, I've always been obsessed oh, with Donna Tart. What yeah. do you think she looks like? In my mind, she looks a lot like Edna Mode from The Incredibles. Oh, really? Do you know? Do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah, the the short black hair. Yeah, ready to have glasses. your mind blown. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah, so good. The short except, black bob, except without the glasses. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. I feel like I'm really good at stuff. Now. I know. Doesn't she just look like you want to have a drink with her so much? She looks like she wrote this book for sure. Exactly. I love it. I do. Like, like that I love she's the aesthetic. Suit. Oh yeah, she wears men's suits and get everything she's like i love everything oh about her she's also tiny like edna mode oh. edna mode is very short i wish i could write like you donna do you think the incredibles edna mode is based off of donna tart most likely yeah she is. i think so and I she grew up in so. mississippi whenever i hear mississippi my brain just goes m-i-s-s-i-s-s-i-p-p-i you do need to know how to spell it if you're ever gonna meet her yeah. she'll probably quiz you on that how do you spell it? But her other two books, oh, I, I thought do you want me to do it again. I was very excited. Oh, no, no. no. <laughs> I know how to spell it, guys. <laughs> I do, Donna, I do have your other two books, The Little Friend and The Goldfinch. She I still like the Goldfinch. Se- oh, yeah, I still like Secret History the most. Uh, Little Friend is good. The ending pisses me off. For, of, course, of course, you know why it pisses everybody off. No um, spoilers, Amanda. No. And then The Goldfinch. Everyone has such a boner for that book. And they made a movie out of it. And she won some kind of uh, like a Newberry or Pulitzer or something like that for okay. it. But <sighs> there was, so not, there was not, a not movie. Not a big fan though, huh? There was a movie. Uh, it was like the Golden Lady or the Golden something. It was based in World War II where like the, the Nazis were stealing pictures and like fine art from Jewish Talking about families. the Monuments Men? Hmm? Talking about the Monuments Men? no 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 um there's like a painting it's like it has gold in it and the nazis steal it and it's like how this woman's getting it back and like the legal thing indiana jones yeah anyways whenever (laughs) whenever i hear people say the goldfinch because i have heard people be Mm -hmm. like the goldfinch the goldfinch i think of that movie and then you explain it to me i was like this movie sounds way different than no No. The Goldfinch came out, I, I want to say it was like 2012 or 2013. So, girl, it's been 10 years. We're due. We're due. Please write another girl. book. You're really talking like she might be listening to oh, this. Oh, she'll at some never point. hear this. That She's got be. more important things to do. It's like write books. Right, please do it. <laughs> and we're back to that. That's, yes. All right, Amanda, I'm going to close out this episode with a few generic questions. Yes, for you. ma'am. Okay. What is your favorite book that you always recommend or your top one. three? Okay. <laughs> Do you have a top three or it's just always? Um, it is always a secret history. I made uh, Courtney read it. Um, you know what? I have a top list in my iPhone notes. You of think I should just know this off the top of my do. head, but I don't. Amanda also has a list of movies and shows that we agree on because we are, we have a tendency to not agree. On always. Things. We are always opposites. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Um, Shuggy Ben by Douglas Stewart. That's a fairly new one. Um, it's about a little boy growing up in poverty in Scotland. 
Oh, and it's based on the author's life and he's gay. So he goes through all that crap as a kid and then as a young adult, young man, and his mom's an alcoholic and it has some of the most stark descriptions of living with an alcoholic that I think I've ever seen. Um, sounds his mom, yeah, he calls his mom's alcoholism like an alter ego, like Taddy Vogel. Like it takes over her skin and her face. It's like, it's great. Yeah. It's really heartbreaking. It's a great book. I only read it like two years ago. Um, Smoke by Dan Valletta. Okay. That, I don't know if I'm saying his last name right. It's V-Y-L-E-T-A. Um, that one is sort of like an alternate gothic history timeline. Okay. Basically, Smoke manifests, Sin manifests itself as smoke Ooh. in people. And it comes out as black, stains your clothes. And it takes place, again, at a boarding school. I love me some dark academia shit, booty. Yeah, yeah. Um, and these two boys are trying to figure out where smoke comes from and if they can stop it. And there's like, you know, secret labs and uh, a London underground sort of thing. It's the late 1800s. It's so fucking good. Yeah. There's a sequel too. It's great. Um, those are my top three. Okay. All right. Who is your favorite author or top three? If you, Donna Tartt is your favorite. I want to say Donna Tartt. Um, I want to say Philip Pullman. Okay. And... Uh, I don't know that I have a top three. I think I have a top two. That's fine. That's totally. Oh, you know what? See, no, I was gonna. I was gonna say. I was gonna say Dan Simmons, but is it because you guys are related? That's the only reason I picked (laughs) up his book in the first place. I was like, oh, Dan Simmons, let me give this a shot. But no, because I don't like all of his books. But I don't like all of Donna's books. I don't like The Goldfinch. So then I think it's go with Dan Simmons because he is great. Um, He does a lot of historical fiction. It's okay. fucking great. Nice. Good nice. stuff. Uh, what is your favorite book format? So like paperback, hardcover? Paper. Okay. Yeah. I can't. I need to like crunch it. And you'll see this is taped together because I've read it so many times. And this is my home copy. And then I have an emergency car copy in my truck. Just in case you need a hit. <laughs> in case I need a book to read for any reason. It's, it's in my truck. And it's this thing. <laughs> What do you mean the truck? You drive a car. The trunk. Oh, oh. <laughs> it's in the trunk. <laughs> I have I have my truck that I only drive yeah. when I'm planning on reading Secret History. No, I keep this baby in the trunk. Oh, that was a different thing than a truck. Um, what is your favorite bookstore? Do you have a favorite bookstore? I don't know that I have a favorite bookstore. I love all bookstores. That's a good answer. Mm-hmm. Any place that has books, I'm going to like it. Uh, like a bathroom. If a bathroom had books, you'd be like, this is a good bathroom. I can shit and read. Perfect. That is actually the best time. Yes. Um, where do you usually do your reading? Um, on the couch. <laughs> where you're sitting and actually where you're facing. Um, wow. I like to move. I was reading really right there. I finished a book right before you got here, actually. So immersed um, in your experience. Because I like how these cushions are, and I can put my knees up and sort of do this, and I can also help hold my book up when it's been a couple hours. What are you doing, Nick? I touched her, and she said, oh, that's too much. <laughs> but it was more jumping than the last time. And I can pucker my pillows all the way up here and have, like, a nice little cozy spot like to read. That's exactly where I like pucker. to read is where you're sitting. Pucker your pillows. That's the worst. <laughs> I don't like that Because you, you pictured puckering anuses. I think that's, that's exact, exactly. I was like, yeah. I don't want my yeah. pillows to be that smelly. Um, do you usually have the TV going and stuff when you read? 
I can. Uh, usually Seth is playing video games or something, so that's kind of comforting. I can't do it. I love when he plays that shark game, Man Eater, or whatever. <gasps> yeah. Because, like, the bubbles and the chomp chops. I do like It's like hearing an aquarium on the back. It's like, ooh, this is nice. Yeah. Ambiance. <laughs> I love a good video game ambiance. I also, I need to have a candle burning when I'm reading. Do you always have tea? Not always, but a lot of the times. Okay. Amanda is a big loose leaf tea lady. Yes, ma'am. Um, some would call her obsessed, but... Remember? One entire shelf of the pantry is tea. Ha ha ha. Do you want people to follow you on social? If so, where can they find you on social? Feel free, bro. Uh, <laughs> yeah, homie. There's not a whole lot of good shit on there, let me tell you. But she loves to travel. You so might be bored, but yeah, sure. When she travels, you'll get all the pictures. Because I have no creativity, it is Manda, M A N D A, dot L, dot Simmons on Instagram. Yep, no creativity whatsoever, even though I put writer in my little bio. Like, yeah, I couldn't think of a better Instagram handle than that, but all right. Do you have writer? That's why Donna Tart doesn't love me. That's why. God damn it. Because you have writer or because because <laughs> your handle is just your name? Because <laughs> I'm so not creative. My handle is just my name. I feel like she could think of a better thing. She probably, when she found out this episode was coming out, she probably looked you up. Mm-hmm. And then she was like, ugh, that's her Instagram handle? Uh-huh. No, thank you. Ooh. I do want to tell you about one really good book I just read. Yeah. Maeve Fly. It's brand new by CJ Lead. Guys, you have to follow her on Instagram now because this picture is incredible. Just the picture itself is fantastic. The cover, but Uh also those candles. Oh, I'm sorry. It's a girl that is Elsa at Disneyland by day and a fucking (gasps) serial killer at night riding around town in her old Hollywood starlet grandma's pink car. That sounds amazing. fucking amazing. I read it in a day. I could not put it down. And I immediately followed her on Instagram and I was like, oh my God, please, more books. That yes. sounds so good. CJ Lead is her name. All right. I might have to borrow that from you. It's so I good. That it's seems like a thing that I would somewhere. love. It's so good. I love Disney. <laughs> and I love murder. And you know, for, for legal reasons, she can never say she's Elsa. Right. But right. you know who she is. Yeah. It's obvious. It's obvious. She's letting it go. She's the snow queen from day. the recent Disney movie with her sister. It's like, okay. Yeah, oh, she it. was allowed to say Disney in the book? Maybe not. Wow. Maybe I just made that up. I don't know. Because I'm a writer. <laughs> and you're so creative in our kitchen. So all creative. Right. I'm going to close out the episode. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm sorry for all of the technical issues that we oh, had. Oh, that's fine. I'm sorry my uh, my cat has not moved from your lap for She's mine 35 now. minutes. <laughs> sorry, Amanda and Seth. You're so cute. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thank you everyone for listening in to this episode of Book Bestie with Amanda Simmons talking about The Secret History by Donna Tartt. For the next episode, my friend Simeon Neisler will be on to discuss The End of History and The Last Man by Francis Fukuyama. See you on the flip side, besties.